Law and Liberty. This is a Reconstructionist radio production. Please visit calcedon.edu to download this book or purchase a physical copy. Law and Liberty. Russus J. Rushdoony. Copyright 1984 and 2009. Alicito, California. Chapter 23. The Absurdity of Parenthood Today. An article by Sid Ross in Parade, February 26, 1967, stated its case in the title, quote, The Big Change in Adoptions, Babies Can't Get Parents, end quote. According to Ross, the most desirable babies now cannot receive adoption because there is so great a decline in couples desiring to adopt babies. As a result, the San Diego County Welfare Department and many other similar agencies finds itself with an increasing number of babies and a decreasing ratio of adopting parents. The Child, Welfare League in, the Child Welfare League of America has reported that in five years, the number of children available for adoption has increased 44.5%, while the number of applications has increased only 27%. But this is not all. The birth rate is dropping alarmingly all over the world, while the propagandists talk about a population explosion the reality is a plunging decline in birth rate all over the world. In California, in one of the better areas birth rate-wise, hospitals have recorded a one-third to one-half drop in births in the past three years, and more maternity divisions are now losing money. At the present rate, we will soon have a statewide surplus of schoolrooms when the decreased birth rate hits the schools. The plain fact is that there is a serious population decline, and in some parts of the world, as in Vienna, Austria, the death rate is double the birth rate. Two-thirds of the nations of Europe are failing even to reproduce their present adult population. There is no great reason to be surprised at all this. The most effective birth control in all history is in operation today, and it is not the pill, nor anything medical. It is the law. The law today penalises parents at every turn and discourages responsible parenthood. If you are a parent, this is what you face. You are the guilty party if your child gets into trouble. If a child becomes delinquent, it is because the parents failed in their responsibility, we are told. If the child's academic performance is poor, then the parents are accused of failing to motivate the child. At every turn, the law denies the biblical doctrine of personal responsibility and holds to environmentalism. The parents are the environment of the child, and therefore they are held to be responsible. They have not done enough for the child or loved the child enough. The result is that on every turn there are legal and social inducements to juvenile irresponsibility. Since the child is already a sinner by nature, these inducements provide opportunities for the development of a child's sinful nature. It is no wonder that the child becomes a spoiled monster. On top of this, there are financial penalties to being a parent. It is an expensive thing today to rear a child, to feed and clothe it, to place it in a Christian school, provide for a college education, and maintain a home large enough to house a family. The annual expense is very high when all these factors are considered, but the tax benefit is a $600 exemption annually. Even more than the pill, the law today discourages parenthood. But this is not all. The parents support the child today for 18 years, if the child quits school after high school graduation, but increasingly this support extends on through junior college, 
college and even graduate school. It is no exaggeration to say that each child receives an average of 20 years of support. But the help does not end there. When the child marries, the support very often continues in direct and indirect ways. In many cases, the parents help provide employment, furniture or other items. But without this, the support is still considerable. Consider, for example, the number of grandparents whose week is regularly tied to some form of to some babysitting or who do all the babysitting for their children's vacation. Consider also the number of grandmothers who babysit while their daughters go to work to increase the family's income and also the number of grandparents who have taken over the children temporarily or permanently because of divorce. Add to this the cost of presents regularly for two or three children, their husbands and wives and all the grandchildren. Most grandparents find they must keep a date book for all the birthdays, anniversaries, graduations and the like. The result is that parents give full support to a child for a good 20 years and partial support for another 30 years, for half a century. Then, perhaps in their declining years, the father or mother, or both, need help because inflation has wiped out their savings, or long serious illnesses have drained both their finances and their health, and they need physical care and financial help. How many can go to their children? Most parents say, quote, I would never want to, end quote. What they too often mean is that they don't want to be humiliated by the children's reluctance to help. This whole picture adds up to one fact. The absurdity of parenthood today. Our legal framework has made it absurd. Love does not flourish nor health develop under a condition of parasitism. If someone is a continual parasite on someone, perpetually receiving and never giving, always asking but never repaying, that person is hardly likely to be loved. When the law allows children to become parasites, then the law is working to destroy the natural relationship of parent and child. In a normal family, the child needs the parents much of his life, and then the parents need the children. And unless the relationship works both ways, it is a sick one and is socially destructive. It leads to a false independence on the part of the parents and to a false dependence on the part of the children. Parents who need to rely now on their children refuse to do so and make foolish decisions, and children who need to care for their parents stand around coldly waiting to divide whatever inheritance there may be. Is it any wonder that many are refusing to be parents under these conditions? Parenthood today is an absurdity by law. The child is a legally protected parasite. Not only is the child made a lifelong parasite, but our society makes adolescence a legitimate form of insanity. We've come to associate adolescence with rebelliousness and emotionalism. We consider this to be naturally a time of stress in a person's life. But this is not true of every culture, nor was it once true of our own. Adolescence has often been in history a particularly proud and happy age, the time of maturity. It is a mentally sick and spiritually sinful adolescence that wants independence while being subsidised by the parents. The answer to these problems is very clearly established in Scripture. The children are commanded, not asked, to honour their father and mother. Notice the form of the commandments. Children are not asked to love their parents, but they are required at all times to honour them until they establish their own homes, to obey their parents. Deuteronomy 5.16 Ephesians 6, 1-3 
This is not made a matter of choice. It is a matter of law. Children are not asked by God to love their parents, nor parents to love their children. Love cannot be commanded, and even more basic than love is obedience to God and to God's commandments. Parents must bring up their children, quote, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, end quote. St. Paul tells us, Ephesians 6, 4, a nurture means discipline, and admonition means commandments. The commandment is, quote, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, end quote, Ephesians 6, 1. That is, it must be God-centered, God-ordered obedience, not a humanistic one. But this is not all. Our Lord made it clear that a gift to God was not acceptable or holy if it meant denying one's parents of their due care. He denounced the Pharisees and scribes for countenancing such a thing, quote, Ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or mother, making the word of God none effect through your tradition, end quote, Mark 7, 12 and 13. St. Paul declared that, quote, If any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel, end quote, 1 Timothy 5, 8. By this, Paul meant that parents have an obligation to care for their own, which means both their children and the grandparents also, as need may require. This does not say that grandparents are duty-bound to receive help or to live with their children. It does say that their needs, as they arise, must be met by their children, and that this is a requirement by God. Failure to meet this requirement is a denial of the faith. And, more than that, Paul declares, makes one, quote, worse than an infidel, end quote, a consummate hypocrite and denier of the faith. The Bible's language here is very blunt, and with reason, because a departure from this law means a departure from Christian social order. It means the enthronement of a self-centered psychology and the destruction of family life. Instead of being a blessing, children become a curse. Instead of maturity, they develop into full-fledged parasites who sponge on their parents and create this socialist society. Socialism is simply a social order which attempts to take over the functions of the family and, and provide cradle-to-grave security, which is the function of the family. In order to have socialism, there must be a population of spoiled children who want a great father who can provide them with more than their parents can, take their parents off their hands, and protect them from the necessity of growing up. Whenever and wherever the family breaks down, socialism results as the substitute for the family. But socialism destroys itself because it cannot truly replace the family, and unless the family re-establishes its godly order, the result is chaos. There are no shortcuts to liberty and maturity. The godly family is basic to a free country. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, 
will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.